And do you know how many people would probably like run away at the sight of dismembered legs? Yeah. Dude, there's a four foot bong and a bag of weed by your bed. <laughs> Jelly Wings, the parlor game for nerds, is nearing extinction. It's in my pod! It's in my pod! <laughs> I will find proof. <laughs> I'm very easily startled, Mr. Finkerman. <laughs> I don't know which regulation body would regulate the uh, penis ring that you were talking about earlier. <laughs> I'm ready to remain conscious as we record this show. Hey, welcome to Medical Stuff. My name is Mark. It's just in the blood, Frank. I'm, and that is Chris. I want to go on vacation with my wife, uh, Fingston, over there. So, tonight is going to be a solo episode. I hope that's okay with everybody. Spencer. <laughs> and uh yeah so chris decided to go out of town with his wife for the week and time ish period i don't know if his whole family's gone with him or not but he was not able to make it this evening we miss him greatly uh tonight we're gonna be speaking about anemia and a uh, different couple different types of anemia so what is anemia well it's uh where your blood cells uh aren't making i'm sorry where your blood's not making uh, enough blood cells, or at least not, not enough healthy red blood cells. And we'll get into that a little bit later when we talk about sickle cell anemia. And uh, when your body doesn't have enough healthy red blood cells, or RBCs, then you uh, can't carry adequate amounts of oxygen to the blood tissues. And uh, yeah, so what, what makes up the blood? Well, in one microliter of blood, uh, in a male, you'll have 4.7 to 6.1 million uh, erythrocytes or red blood cells containing blood's hemoglobin uh, and that like I said is part that distributes oxygen for females would be about 4.2 to 5.4 million of these red blood cells the red blood cells uh, along together with the endothelial cells also make uh, are also marked by glycoproteins that define <laughs> are also marked by glycoproteins that define the blood types uh, the proportion of blood occupied by red blood cells is referred to as the hematocrit and is normally about 45% of the total makeup of blood. The combined surface area of all the red blood cells in the body would be roughly 2,000 times as great as the body's exterior surface area. So, yeah, they may be small, but there's many, many of them. Uh, Four to 11,000 leukocytes will be in this uh, one microliter of blood. And uh, which are white blood cells. They are part of the body's immune system. They destroy and remove old aberrant cells and uh, cellular debris, as well as attack infectious agents and foreign substances. Uh, the cancer of leukocytes is called leukemia, which we'll get into in just a little bit. Then you have about two to five hundred, uh, two hundred thousand to five hundred thousand thrombocytes, also called platelets. This part of the blood is a clotting factor or your coagulation. Fibrin from the coagulation cascade creates a mesh over the platelet plug. So if you know, we talk about cutting our finger and you get a scab over the top of it, uh, this can handle, uh, happen internally or externally. There are many times when uh, you do get little nicks on the inside of your uh, bloodstream. So, uh, I mean, they're micro. It's not like you have a real <laughs> just opening of it. So uh, that's about 45% of the blood right there. Uh, the other 55% is what I call blood plasma, a fluid that is the body's liquid medium, which by itself is a straw yellow color. The blood plasma volume equals uh, 2.7 to, 2 to 3 liters in the average human. It is essentially an aqueous solution containing 92% water, 8% blood plasma, proteins, trace amounts of other materials. Plasma placement uh, platelets circulate dissolved nutrients such as glucose and amino acids and fatty acids and removes waste products such as carbon dioxide, urea, and lactic acid. Uh, red blood cells, which are called hemoglobin, uh, are an iron-rich blood that are iron-rich protein that gives blood the red color. Hemoglobin enables uh, red blood cells to color carry oxygen from your lungs to the other parts of your body. And also helps carry carbon dioxide away from other parts of your body back to your lungs so that it can be exhaled. So today, now that we've kind of gone over the anatomy a little bit, we're going to go over what's called anemia. Anemia is a condition in which you don't have enough 
healthy red blood cells to carry adequate oxygen to the body's tissues. Having anemia can make you feel tired and weak. So they really don't, uh, they really don't have a good beat on what the background on this is, but anemia is when your blood doesn't have enough red blood cells. This can happen if your body doesn't make enough red blood cells. You're having problems with the uh, bone marrow. Your bleeding causes you to lose red blood cells more quickly than they can be uh, replaced. This would be uh, some sort of hemorrhage. And also your body uh, destroys those red blood cells. So some of the causes are different types of anemia and their causes include iron deficiency anemia. This is the most common type of anemia worldwide. Iron, iron deficiency anemia is caused by a shortage of iron in your blood. Your bone marrow needs to make iron to make or needs iron to make hemoglobin. Without adequate iron, your body can't produce enough hemoglobin for red blood cells. So if you're just deficient on it, and you can um, take a supplement to help out with this if it's a, a mild form of this, but they also have infusion type iron for patients with severe forms of anemia. But as I said, sometimes finding the cause of the anemia can be a problem. So uh, without iron supplementation, the type of anemia occurs uh, in, uh, sorry, without iron supplementation, this type of uh, anemia occurs in many pregnant women. It also causes blood loss, is also caused by blood loss, such as heavy menstrual cycles, uh, an ulcer, cancer, or regular use of some over-the-counter pain relievers, especially aspirin. So... Uh, you have a vitamin deficiency anemia, and uh, in addition to the iron, your body needs folate and vitamin B12 to produce normal, healthy red blood cells. A diet lacking in these and other key nutrients can cause decreased blood, red blood cell production. Uh, you can also uh, consume enough B12, but your body is unable to process the vitamin. This can lead to vitamin deficiency, uh, and it's known as pernicious anemia. Yeah. Pernicious? Hmm. <laughs> it just kind of throws me off a little bit. Uh, you can have anemia from a chronic disease, such as cancer, uh, HIV or AIDS, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, kidney disease, Crohn's disease, or other inflammatory diseases can interfere with the production, uh, production of red blood cells. Uh, you have aplastic anemia. This is a rare life-threatening anemia that occurs when your body doesn't produce enough red blood cells. Well, yeah, we've covered that kind of. Causes of aplastic anemia include infections, certain medicines, autoimmune, autoimmune diseases, and uh, exposure to toxic chemicals. Uh, anemia is associated with bone marrow disease, a variety of diseases such as leukemia, which we're going to go over here a little bit, and uh, myelio. My, myelio, yeah, myelofibrosis uh, can cause anemia by affecting blood production in the bone marrow. The effects of these types of cancers and other cancer-like disorders vary, vary from mild to life-threatening. You have uh, hemolytic anemias. This group of anemias develop when red blood cells are destroyed faster than the bone marrow can replace them. So certain blood diseases increase uh, red blood cell destruction. You can also inherit a hemolytic anemia, which uh, can uh, develop later in life. Now, hemolytic anemia should not be confused with hemophilia, which is where your body's uh, unable to, its ability to clot uh, normally is hindered. It lacks the sufficient blood clotting proteins or clotting factors. Uh, if you have hemophilia, you bleed longer uh, for a longer time after an issue than you would normally if your blood were clot normally. So those are two completely different things. Sickle cell anemia, uh, which is a type of hem hemolytic anemia, but we're gonna be going over that here in just a few minutes. Uh, there are several other forms of anemia, such as thalassemia and malarial anemia, which actually sounds kind of interesting. So Symptoms. Uh, symptoms from anemia are going to be uh, fatigue, weakness, pale or yellowish skin. I'm wondering if that's because of the red blood cells that the yellowish uh, plasma kind of takes over the coloring a little bit. Irregular heartbeats, uh, shortness of breath, dizziness or lightheadedness, chest pain, cold hands and feet, and a headache. 
first, the anemia can be so mild that it goes unnoticed, but symptoms worsen as the anemia worsens. So now, just because you have cold hands and feet doesn't mean you have anemia. But if you're definitely having couplings of this with other symptoms or, I mean, it's a simple blood test to see if you're anemic. And so talk to your primary care physician and they can definitely double check that. So let's see, sickle cell anemia. Sickle cell anemia is inherited from uh, an inherited form of anemia, a condition in which there aren't enough healthy red blood cells to carry adequate blood supply throughout your body. Normally, your red blood cells are flexible and round, moving easily through your blood vessels. In sickle cell anemia, the red blood cells become rigid and sticky and are shaped like sickles or crescent moons. These regularly shaped, uh, regularly shaped cells can get stuck in the uh, small vessels of the body. I know that here in America, this is uh, primarily an African-American disease. But uh, as they get stuck there, it will slow or block the blood flow and oxygen to those parts of the body that it's blocking. So there's no common cure for people with sickle cell anemia, but treatments can relieve pain and help prevent problems uh, associated with the disease. So signs and symptoms of sickle cell anemia, which vary from uh, person to person, can change over time. Uh, anemia, sickle cells break apart easily and die, leaving you without enough uh, red blood cells. So sickle cell anemia, strangely enough, can cause anemia. Uh, red blood cells usually live about 120 days before they need to be replaced, but sickle cell uh, sickle cells can usually die uh, within 10 to 20 days, leaving a shortage of red blood cells. And then, of course, without the blood red blood cells, you can't get enough oxygen to your, your all parts of your body, leaving you fatigued and uh, less energized. Uh, episodes of pain, periodic pain episodes, can cause uh, called crises are a major symptom of sickle cell anemia. The pain develops when sickle cell-shaped red blood cells block the blood flow through the tiny vessels uh, to your chest, abdomen, joints, and pain can also occur in your bones. I know that one of the things that brings this on is um, extreme exertion. And one of the ways I know about this is uh, not too long ago, we get called to a scene of an MVA. We find out that uh, there was a police chase that was ended up in a pit maneuver, which uh, pit maneuver is where... Uh, the police will actually come up and they will strike the rear quarter panel right by the rear tire, pushing the back end of the car over. Now, as this happens and the car spins around, what happens is that the change in direction of the drive wheels. So normally they're spinning one direction, so you go forward. Well, now they're being forced to push the other direction against the gearing and against the engine. It'll cause the car to stall and probably not be able to be restarted for a while until they've been, it's been seen by, you know, a mechanic of some form. Uh, this is found to be, when done properly, is found to be a very uh, safe and effective way of disabling the car. I think it's becoming more preferred over spike strips because cars have gone over spike strips and uh, traveled, traveled for miles, miles and miles and miles, and it's becoming more and more dangerous as those tires deflate. The problem is, is that you have to kind of, to be able to pull off a pit maneuver very successfully, you have to have a very, set, uh, very specific set of circumstances, you know. You need a road that's big enough to do it. You need uh, no other traffic around. You need, you know, a number of things need to come in the line to be able to really pull off a good successful pit maneuver. But when done, it does well. Well, this patient uh, is now complaining of a sickle cell flare or crisis, and, uh, He's in a lot of pain, so we were treating him. We started an IV, and we, you know, we gave him pain medications and stuff like that. We started giving him uh, IV fluid that's one of the treatments uh, to help kind of uh, keep things flowing. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm so much pain. I'm like, well, you know, this is triggered by extreme activity. Well, yeah, well, probably shouldn't perform a smash and grab and run from police, so... What they were, uh, I don't know if they were indicted, what they were accused of was going to a mall, walking into a jeweler, smashing the glass, taking as much as they could grab, running from the jeweler inside the mall all the way out to their car in the parking lot, and then they were involved in a high-speed pursuit, and then once they did the pit maneuver, uh, he got out and ran. And uh, they were all caught. They were all indicted, I believe. But yeah, it's like, you know... Maybe pick a job that's not exer exertional, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, 
go back to school. I mean, I know that's not necessarily uh, an option for everybody, but maybe staying away from a job that uh, causes you to run from the police or run to your car. So uh, the pain is uh, varies in intensity and can last for a few hours to a few weeks. So again, I mean, like I said, we treated him. We gave him pain medications. We gave him uh, IV fluids. But, uh, you know, the pain, it was horrible for him. I mean, I, I did feel bad for him, but, you know, there is a cause and effect here. Uh, some people only have a few pain episodes every year, but people can have dozens or more of crises per year. And if the crisis is severe enough, they may need to be hospitalized. Uh, some adolescents and adults with sickle cell anemia also have a chronic pain, which is when... Uh, which is a result from the bone and the joint damage. So even if they're successfully treating the disease now, there's at some point it caused so much damage that it's irreparable. So they're going to have that chronic pain for the rest of their life. Uh, pain and swelling of the hands and feet. The swelling is caused by sickle cell-shaped red blood cells blocking the blood flow. So they're also very prone to infections. Uh, they can damage an organ that fights infections, the spleen and uh, leaving them much more vulnerable to those infections. Doctors commonly give infants and children with sickle cell anemia vaccinations. And if you have any questions about vaccinations, watch or, or read or go watch or read. Way to go, Franken. This is an audio medium. Let's go with the two uh, visuals, what visual mediums you can think of. So uh, go listen to our uh, previous podcast on uh, measles and vaccinations. And also go back and listen to our um, medical myths, uh, one and two with Spencer Oliver and Chris. So, and I, yeah, vaccinations do work and they are valid. <laughs> there will also uh, these patients also be given antibiotics to pretend, uh, prevent any potentially life-threatening infections such as pneumonia. You can get delayed growth. Red blood cells uh, provide your body with oxygen and nutrients that helps promote growth. So a shortage of healthy red blood cells can slow the growth in infants and children and delay puberty in teenagers. And, uh, yeah, tiny red, uh, tiny blood vessels in your eyes can uh, become plugged with sickle cells. This can damage the retina, the portion of the eye that processes visual images, leading to vision problems. So, now what causes sickle cell anemia? Sickle cell anemia is caused by a mutation in the gene that tells your body to make red, iron-rich compound that gives blood its red color the hemoglobin. Hemoglobin allows red blood cells to carry the oxygen from your lungs to all parts of your body. In sickle cell anemia, the abnormal hemoglobin causes red blood cells to become rigid, sicky, and misshapen. The sickle cell gene is passed from generation to generation in a pattern of inheritance called autosomal recessive inheritance. That means that both the mother and the father must pass on the defective form of the gene to the child for them to be affected. If only one person passes on a sickle cell gene to the child, the child will have a, the sickle cell trait with one normal hemoglobin gene and one defective form of the gene. People with the sickle cell trait uh, make both normal hemoglobin and sickle cell uh, hemoglobin. Their blood might also contain uh, some sickle cells, but they generally don't have any symptoms. But they are carriers of the disease, so if they, you know, they can pass that on to somebody, on to their children, and uh, so although it may, in essence, skip the generation with them, uh, if they pick a partner who has also got the gene, then, yeah, they'll be in the same boat. So some complications from uh, sickle cell anemia. Stroke. Uh, stroke can occur if the sickle cells block the blood flow to an area of your brain. So signs of a stroke include uh, possible seizures, the weakness, numbness of your arms, legs, sudden difficulty speaking, uh, any sort of facial asymmetry where one side of the facial is drooping, uh, loss of consciousness. Uh, if your baby has any of these signs of symptoms, or even an adult, seek medical uh, medical treatment immediately. A stroke can be fatal. So, I believe the common terminology now is used as FAST, F-A-S-T. Uh, facial drooping. Ask the person to smile and see if one side of their face is drooping. Also, you can ask them to say a simple sentence, like, you know, uh, what I hear a lot, especially among new paramedics, is it never rains in Oregon, and just see if both sides of the face are working uh, together at the same time. 
Uh, the A is arm weakness. Ask them to raise both arms out in front of them with their palms up and uh, close their eyes and see if one arm starts dropping dramatically. Uh, speech difficulty. And then time is of the essence on these things. Uh, the faster we can, you call 911 and we can get there. Now, you may have the urge to load them in your car because you feel you can get them to the hospital faster by not delaying waiting for the ambulance to get to you. Uh, the problem with that is, is that you probably can't because if the pa patient is actually having a stroke, we will go lights and sirens at the hospital, which will get us through intersections a little bit quicker or through traffic. But also, depending on the system you're in, uh, they can be taken to, a, like in our system, we can go to a uh, primary interventional uh, stroke center where they can do uh, not only medications, clot-busting medications, but they can also actually go all the way up and try and remove the clot uh, manually. So it's an interventional stroke center. So don't dally. Uh, acute chest syndrome. This life-threatening complication causes chest pain, fever, and difficulty breathing. Acute chest syndrome can be caused by a lung infection or by sickle cells blocking vessels in your lungs. It may require emergency medical treatment with antibiotics and other treatments. Uh, pulmonary hypertension. People with sickle cell anemia can develop high blood pressure in their lungs or pulmonary hypertension. Uh, we actually had a listener request a medical terminology episode, and I think we're going to do that, because which we should be able to do because I believe that there's probably, well, there's definitely, understanding medical terminology is a whole term course in college, so we can probably put enough together for a good show, or at least uh, make it kind of a potpourri kind of show. So pulmonary hypertension, pulmonary refers to the lungs, hypertension, anything hyper is above normal. Uh, so attention would be your blood pressure. So hypertension, high blood pressure, hypo is anything below normal. So hypotension, low blood pressure, low blood pressure. Uh, the complication usually affects adults rather than children. Shortness of breath and fatigue are common symptoms of this condition. And it, especially long-term, it can be fatal. You can uh, get some organ damage, sickle cells that blow, uh, block blood flow through the blood vessels immediately deprive the affected organ of blood and oxygen. In sickle cell anemia, blood is also chronically low on oxygen. So not only are you blocking the areas from getting oxygen, but even if blood is getting through, it's still not getting enough. Uh, chronic deprivation of oxygen-rich blood can damage nerves and organs in your body, including your kidneys, your liver, and your spleen. So... Uh, as we talked about in our renal system episode, you know, uh, not only, so you get high blood pressure, which can do damage to your kidneys, which causes you to go into renal insufficiency or renal failure. Uh, the act of going into renal insufficiency and renal failure can cause your blood pressure to go up, which then causes more damage to your renal system. You know, and here you have another disease, which is directly attacking, can directly attack the, the kidneys by uh, the blood just not being able to flow through properly. And it can also cause, you know, pulmonary hypertension, which is another cause of renal insufficiency. So, uh, blindness, sickle cell, we talked about earlier, you know, the blo uh, tiny blood vessels in your eye and your retina, uh, they get blocked up. This, again, decreases the blood flow to that area. And you're now having damage to the eye. And actually not only cause vision problems, but can cause blindness. Uh, sickle cell anemia can cause open sores called ulcerations or ulcers on your legs. So uh, one of the ways, one of the more common ways you can get an ulcer, especially on your extremities, is from laying in one position for too long. This used to be called bed sores. Uh, what happens is, is that you get insufficient amount of blood flow to an area because you're laying on it. Uh, and a normal healthy person, you lay in one position for too long and you will start getting irritation, you know, as you get older, you know, you, you start feeling a little stiff, you wake up, you kind of roll over, you get comfortable again, you go back to sleep. Well, when you lay in one position for too long, there are going to be points of pressure pressing against parts of your body. And that decreases the blood flow to that area. Well, with a decreased blood flow, you get increased uh, damage being done to that area. And if they are laying there long enough, you can get an ulcer, which is actually just an opening of the skin 
usually coming from the inside because the skin is dying. The skin cells in the muscle are dying, and it can go all the way down to the bone if not treated. This is very common amongst, um, I'm sorry, it was very common amongst uh, bedridden patients, but now you'll find patients that are bedridden, they'll be on a two-hour rotation where every two hours somebody should come into the room and they've been laying flat on their back, well, then they're propped up with pillows, so they're laying more on their left-hand side, and they take the pressure off the right-hand side. And then that that restores the blood flow to those pressure points on the right-hand side. Then two hours later, take those pillows out, put them on the underside on the underside or the other side under the patient, so that they're now tilted to their right, and uh, allowing for the blood flow to the left side of the body where the body where they have the pressure points. Uh, with the sickle cell anemia, the sickle cell can do something very similar in that it's blocking the blood flow through the arteries and the veins, and that way that area is not getting any blood. Then you end up with uh, leg ulcerations. Uh, you can also get gallstones. Uh, the breakdown of the red blood cells produce a substance called uh, bilirubin, and a high level of bilirubin in your body can cause gallstones. Uh, if you get a big enough gallstone, or you have a long enough problem with them, they can remove your gallbladder, which, I mean, relieves the problems of the gallstones, don't get me wrong, but can cause other lifestyle problems. A lot of people who have their gallbladder taken out, they have a hard time processing fatty foods. And so by hard time processing them, I mean that they, they can eat the foods that are high in fat. They just better be close to a bathroom when it happens because it can become very uncomfortable very quickly. And then the uh, last one we'll talk about under the side effects is a priapism. So a priapism is a painful, long-lasting erection. There are a couple different ways to get priapism. Sickle cell anemia is one of them. Uh, spinal cord damage is another one. And although I'm sure there are probably guys in the audience thinking, hey, you know, not such a bad thing. A problem with this is that, or medications. If you have an erection lasting more than four hours, contact your doctor. Uh, Certain uh, uh, erectile dysfunction medications can cause a priapism. So, like I said, I'm sure there are guys out there who are just like, hey, show me a downside. Well, the problem is, is you can't get rid of this. And so you remain erect for very long periods of time. Um, and unfortunately, if you have a priapism and there's no other way to get rid of it, there is one way, foolproof. And that would be to stick a needle into your penis and drain it. Now, don't do that on your own. Go see a doctor, go to an emergency room, and uh, have them do it. Don't think that, because the problem is, the side effect of the uh, releasing of the fluid that way to release the priapism is that it makes it more difficult to attain and maintain an erection. So, uh, treatments for sickle cell anemia. Uh, Bone marrow transplant, also known as a stem cell transplant, uh, offers the only potential cure for sickle cell anemia. It is usually reserved for patients under the age of 16 because of the risks increased for people over the age of 16. Finding a donor can be difficult. They can't just take any bone marrow. They have to have stuff that uh, they have to have. It's usually from a relative or somebody who's close to you, very, very close to you genetically. But... Uh, you can have some very serious side effects from this. You can have, it's just like a transplant of an organ. Your body can actually reject or think that the bone marrow and the cells being put off of by it are uh, a bioorganism that's trying to do damage to your body and your immune system will then attack that stuff. And this can lead to death. So, quick mention on stem cells. Stem cells are cells with uh, potential developing to many other different types of cells. So they're kind of the building blocks of cells are starting out. Uh, they serve as a repair system for your body. And there are two main types of stem cells, embryonic stem cells and adult stem, cell, stem cells. Uh, there was a lot of controversy uh, on embryonic stem cells and whether they should be used or not. I'm not going to, I'm not going to weigh in on that because I believe that that is uh, Probably a very that would add a tremendous amount of time to the show. <laughs> so, so stem cells are different than other uh, cells in three different ways. They can divide and renew themselves over a long time. They are non-specialized, so they cannot do specific functions in the body. 
but they do have the potential to become specialized cells, such as muscle cells or blood cells or brain cells. Uh, doctors are very excited about stem cells because they could help in many different areas of health and medical research. Studying stem cells may help explain how serious conditions such as birth defects and cancer come about. Uh, stem cell research may one day uh, be used to make cells and tissues for therapy of many diseases. Examples uh, include Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, uh, spinal cord injuries, uh, heart disease, diabetes, and arthritis. All of these things are diseases that are progressive. So if you have Parkinson's, if they could go back in and use stem cell research to uh, reproduce the cells that are damaged in a Parkinson's patient or an Alzheimer's patient, that could potentially reduce or reverse the process. Uh, spinal cord injury, uh, growing new cells to fix the ones that have been damaged in the injury. You know, heart disease, diabetes, uh, where your body's just not producing the insulin. If we can use stem cells to then make those, make the stem, or we, we could manipulate stem cells to then become specialized cells in the pancreas or the islets of Langerhorn, which I just love saying. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, islets of Langerhorn are probably my favorite named part of the body. They're part of the pancreas, and they uh, were named after German pathological anatomist Paul Langerhans. Now, Paul's no longer with us. This was back in 1869, and I mean no disrespect to any of uh, Paul's uh, descendants, but if you're going to have a name like Langerhans, you really need to be like an Otto or a Johan <laughs> or even a Stefan. It can't be Paul. And I don't put that on Paul. That's his parents' fault right there, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Can't be a, can't be a John Langerhans. So, <laughs> uh, the islands of Langerhans is where your, uh, uh, your insulin and your glycogen and all of those uh, hormones are made. So if we can repair those, then we could potentially re reverse diabetes, which is huge. You know, as a result, treatment for sickle cell anemia, because of the problems with the uh, stem cells and uh, the fact that they can they can kill you, you know, and although sickle cell anemia is a horrific disease, death beats it, you know. <laughs> death is much worse. Uh, so most of the treatments are named at avoiding the crises, trying to relieve symptoms, and preventing complications. Babies and children uh, up to the age of two, they make frequent doctor visits. They're 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 monitored very very closely on a day to day basis, or not day to day basis, but as they as they grow up. Uh, children older than two and adults with sickle cell anemia should see a doctor at least once a year, and. Uh, you know, they're going to be using uh, different medications in different doses, which we'll get into here in just a second, uh, to help reduce pain, prevent complications. Uh, so a lot of times uh, children with sickle cell anemia may be taking the antibiotic penicillin for about, from the, uh, when they're about two months old and continue taking it until they're at least five. So they are on just constant antibiotics. Uh, doing so helps prevent infections such as pneumonia, uh, which can be life-threatening to an infant and, or a child with sickle cell anemia. As an adult, if you have had your spleen removed or had pneumonia, you might need to take penicillin throughout your life or some sort of... Uh, um, they may have uh, more uh, updated antibiotics that are... A lot of your antibiotics that are, are starting to go with more specialized reasonings. You don't take these broad spectrum, but they may go for the broad spectrum penicillins on these patients just because there's so many things that can uh, hurt these patients. And then you're going to have uh, pain, pain relieving medications to relieve pain during your crisis. Your doctor might prescribe you pain medications. They may be some over-the-counter medications, uh, anti-inflammatories, things like that. Uh, I know that one of the things is trying to avoid triggers whatever your personal triggers. I was taught, you know, I was telling the story about that gentleman who, uh, extreme exercise was his trigger. So, uh, hydroxyurea, uh, when taken daily, this reduces the painful crises and may reduce the need for blood transfusions and hospitalizations. 
Hydroxyurea, it seems to work by stimulating or yeah, stimulating production of the fetal hemoglobin, a type of hemoglobin found in newborns that helps prevent the formation of sickle cells. Uh, does uh, increase your risk of infections, and there is some concern that long-term use of this drug may uh, cause problems later in life for people who take it for many years. Uh, unfortunately, they found that it does have this benefit, but they haven't been able to study the long-term effects of that. Uh, there's some experimental treatments. Uh, the scientists are studying new treatments for sickle cell anemia. Uh, one of them is gene therapy, exploring uh, whether inserting a normal gene into the bone marrow of some people's sickle cell anemia will result in normal hemoglobin. Interesting. Scientists are also exploring the possibility of turning off the defective gene while reactivating another gene responsible for production of fetal hemoglobin. Now that is a type of hemoglobin found in newborns that prevents sickle cells from forming. Uh, but these are still a long way off. This is not something you're going to be seeing in the next couple of years. This will probably see something, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the road. Uh, nitric oxide. People with sickle cell anemia have low levels of nitric oxide in their blood. Nitric oxide is gas that helps keep blood vessels open and reduces the stickiness of red blood cells. Treatment with inhaled nitrous oxide might prevent sickle cell from, uh, the sickle cells from clumping together, but uh, this is theory and has not been proven out in actual studies or tests. Then they have uh, drugs to be, uh, they've been producing drugs to boost fetal hemoglobin production. Researchers are studying the various drugs to devise a way to boost the production of the fetal hemoglobin, and this type of, uh, again, this type of hemoglobin would stop the uh, sickle cells from forming. So there are some lifestyle and home remedies. Uh, taking these steps to stay healthy may help you avoid complications of sickle cell anemia. Uh, taking folic acid uh, supplements daily and choose a healthy diet. Bone marrow needs folic acid and other vitamins to make new healthy red blood cells. Your doctor might re recommend a folic acid supplement. Uh, you choose a diet that focuses on a variety of colorful fruits and vegetables as well as whole grains. So, once again, eating well, taking care of your body, does you good. <laughs> uh, drink plenty of water. Dehydration can increase your risk of sickle cell uh, crises. Drink water throughout the day, uh, aiming for about eight glasses of water, pretty standard. Increase the amount of water you drink if you exercise or spend time in a hot, dry climate. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we gave that gentleman some uh, some fluid, some IV fluid. Avoid temperature extremes. Exposure to extreme heat or cold can increase your risk for sickle cell crisis. I'm wondering if that probably has something to do with the, you know, the dilation and the constriction of your blood vessels, making it harder for those uh, cells to pass through your body. Uh, ex exercise regularly, but don't overdo it. Talk to your doctor about how to how much exercise is right for you. Obviously, extreme exercise is bad for patients in sickle cell and for other patients also. But definitely, if you're going to take on an exercise regime, contact your physician and make sure that they're down with it. So, And then use over-the-counter uh, medications with caution. Use of uh, over-the-counter pain medications such as ibuprofen and naproxen uh, sparingly, if at all, because of the possible effect on your kidneys. So again, they may if your doctor advises these things, that's one thing, but don't just go out and start freelancing these things and saying, hey, well, you know, I heard this podcast with this idiot who said, <laughs> always go with what your doctor says. Find a doctor that uh, you feel comfortable with and seems knowledgeable and is willing to do his research. Those are very important aspects of being a physician. Uh, if you are willing to go, I mean, up until just recently, I had an excellent physician. He unfortunately passed away in an accident on vacation with his family. But I always said that the reason that I knew he was a great doctor was because he knew three words, and they were, I don't know. And if he didn't know something, he went and researched it, or he had you go to a specialist. At one of the hospitals, we, we have a number of fine hospitals. There's one particular hospital we respond to where, uh, amongst our physician group, it is actively uh, sought out that they talk to each other and they, they discuss things so that, because nobody knows everything. You know, so much of medicine is learning in school and classes, and so much of it is just learning by experience, and nobody can know everything. Uh, this particular hospital, if a uh, critical patient comes in, 
there's a primary doctor treating the patient and kind of in the in the trenches and uh, then they have another physician standing back at the doorway just kind of watching everything that's going on and at some point in the treatment in the first 10 or 15 minutes those two physicians are going to get together and compare notes and because it can become very easy as a treating physician or a treating paramedic or a treating nurse to become very focused in on what you're doing right in front of you and it's good to have the other person stepping back and saying yeah, but let's double check that blood pressure, or have we done this in a, you know in a certain period of time? So uh, next we have leukemia. Uh, leukemia begins in the cell uh, in a cell in the bone marrow. The cell undergoes a change and becomes a type of leukemia cell. Once the bone marrow or once the marrow cell undergoes a leukemic change, leukemia cells grow and spread better than normal cells. So this is aggressive uh, in the fact that it's reproducing more effectively but you trade speed for accuracy <laughs> so over time the leukemia cells crowd out or suppress the development of normal cells the rate at which leukemia progresses and how le how the cells replace the normal blood marrow or normal blood and marrow cells are different with each type of leukemia so symptoms of leukemia are going to be a fever and chills persistent fever, uh, fatigue and weakness Frequent or severe infections, losing weight without trying, uh, swollen lymph nodes, uh, enlarged liver or spleen, uh, easy bleeding or bruising, recurrent nosebleeds, tiny red spots on your skin, which are called petechiae, which is probably not spelled the way you think it does. It never looks right to me. Uh, P E T E C H I A E, petechiae. Uh, excessive sweating, especially at night. This can, excessive night sweats without a direct cause, like it's 104 degrees outside and I don't, my air conditioner is not working. But if you're getting an excessive night sweats, you definitely need to go see a physician because those can be signs of many different types of diseases. And then bone pain or tenderness. So scientists don't really understand the exact cause of leukemia. It seems to develop from a combination of genetic and environmental factors. In general, in general, leukemia is thought to occur when some blood cells acquire mutations in their DNA. These are the instructions inside each cell that guide its action. There may be other changes in the cells that have yet to be fully understood that contribute to leukemia. Certain abnormalities cause the cell to grow and divide more rapidly and to continue living with, uh, when normal cells would die. Over time, these abnormal cells can crowd out the healthy ones in bone marrow leading to fewer healthy white blood cells. So this is a uh, this is something that is attacking the white blood cells. If I said red blood cells before during this portion, I apologize. Uh, but uh, it is going to affect your body's ability to make red blood cells and platelets, causing uh, the signs and symptoms of leukemia. So there's two different classifications uh, of cells. Uh, the first type of classification is how fast leukemia is progressing. You have acute leukemia. You know, in this, in acute leukemia, the blood abnormal blood cells are immature blood cells or blasts. Uh, so you put your blood on blast. Uh, they can't carry out their normal function, and they multiply rapidly, so the disease worsens quickly. Uh, acute leukemia requires aggressive, timely treatment. Then you have chronic leukemia. These types of uh, Chronic leukemias, some produce too many cells, and some cause too few cells to be produced. So it's a feast or famine situation. Uh, chronic leukemia involves more mature blood cells. Uh, these blood cells replicate and accumulate uh, more slowly and can function normally for a period of time. But some forms of chronic leukemia initially produce no early symptoms and go unnoticed and diagnosed for many years. So the second type of classification is a type of white blood cell that's affected. You have the lymphocyte leukemia, and this type it affects the lymph, uh, lymphoid cells, which are called lymphocytes, uh, which can form or which form lymphoid or lymphatic tissue. Lymphatic tissue makes up your immune system. And then the myelogenous leukemia. This type of leukemia affects the myeloid cells, and the myeloid cells uh, help with uh, production of red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelet-producing cells. So, there are a number of different types of leukemia, which I'm going to go over, but I'm not going to go into each specific one. Uh, the major types of leukemia are acute lymphocystic 
leukemia or ALL. This is the common, the most common type uh, amongst young children, although it can occur at any age. Uh, the acute myelogenous leukemia or AML. This is the most common type of leukemia that occurs in children's and adults, and is the most common type of acute leukemia in, leukemia in adults. Chronic lymphocytic leukemia, the most common chronic adult leukemia, and you may feel well for years with this one without needing treatment. Then you have chronic myelogenous leukemia. This type of leukemia mainly affects adults. Uh, they may have no symptoms for months or years before entering a phase in which leukemia cells grow more quickly. Uh, then you have some other types that are more rare. They include uh, hairy cell leukemia, myelodysplastic syndromes, and myeloproliferative disorders. Yeah, see that three times fast. So those are some of your types. Uh, risk factors. Uh, factors that increase the chance of getting leukemia can include previous cancer treatment, people who have had a certain types of chemotherapy or radiation uh, for other cancers can increase uh, have an increased risk of developing certain types of leukemia. A genetic disorder, genetic abnormalities seem to play a role in the development of leukemia. Certain genetic disorders such as Down syndrome are associated with increased risk of leukemia. Exposure to certain chemicals such as benzene, which is found in gasoline, uh, and is used by the chemical industry is linked to increased chances of leukemia. Smoking, one more reason to not smoke, like you didn't need any more. There are plenty out there before this, but it can also give you leukemia. Then if you have a family history of it, uh, then this can be a genetic disorder. So, treatments for this, uh, treatments for your leukemia depend on many factors. It's, it's, a, there's so, it's a very dynamic disease. Uh, your doctor determines your leukemia treatment options based on your age, your overall health, the type of leukemia you have, whether it has spread to other parts of your body, including your central nervous system. So, interestingly enough, one of the things that can increase your chance of getting leukemia is chemotherapy. Also one of the treatments for it. So, chemotherapy is a major form of treatment for leukemia. Basically, what they do is they give you the chemotherapy to go in and kill all of the cancerous uh, cells, uh, bone marrow cells that are causing leukemia. This devastates your immune system for a while, but uh, hopefully that will start coming back. They may give you a uh, stem cell transplant. Uh, depending on the type of leukemia you have, you may receive a single drug or a combination of drugs. These drugs come in pill form, and, but they can also be IV. Uh, biological therapy. Biological therapy works by using treatments that help your immune system recognize and attack the leukemia cells. Uh, targeted therapy. Targeted therapy uses drugs that attack specific vulnerabilities within your cancerous cells. Uh, for example, the drug imantinib or Gleevec stops the action of a protein within leukemia cells of people with chronic myelogenous leukemia, and that can obviously help control the disease. So, radiation therapy. Radiation therapy uses x-rays and other high-energy beams to damage leukemia cells and stop their growth. During radiation therapy, you lay on the table while a large machine, uh, moves, a large machine moves around you, directing the radiation to precise points in your body, as opposed to like chemotherapy, which tends to be fairly broad in its treatment. Uh, the radiation therapy, they can actually specifically treat certain points of your body without affecting other parts of your body tremendously. Uh, you may receive radiation in one specific area of your body where it is, uh, where there is a collection of leukemia cells, or you may receive radiation over your entire body. Radiation therapy must be used to prepare for stem cell transplant. Uh, then, the next option is stem cell transplant. A stem cell transplant is a procedure to replace your diseased bone marrow with healthy bone marrow. Uh, before a stem cell transplant, you receive high dose of chemotherapy or radiation therapy to destroy the diseased bone marrow and then they give you the infusion of stem cells. Uh, you may also receive stem cells from a donor. In some cases, you may be able to reuse your own stem cells. A stem cell transplant is very similar to bone marrow transplant, uh, but they all come with their own uh, risks. I mean, obviously, if you're able to use your own stem cells, that's going to be best because they are your own. But if you're receiving stem cells from anybody else or a bone marrow transplant from anybody else, 
there's always the possibility that your body can reject it. So, yeah, all very horrific diseases, you know, of varying, varying types. So that's all I have today. I hope you've enjoyed listening. I hope I haven't bored you to death. I hope I've kept you entertained at least through your drive or your walk or doing the dishes or, you know, just trying to stay awake. Uh, this is Medical Stuff. My name is Mark Frank. I'm, uh, Chris will be back next week if he stops gallivanting about the globe with his family. And by gallivanting around the globe, I mean he went to the coast for the week. So, hope you had a good week. Uh, you can get a hold of us on social media. We're on Twitter at MedSideStuff, M-E-D-S-I-D-E-S-T-U-F-F. We're on uh, Facebook at Medical Stuff. And we're on Instagram at Medical Stuff 52 This actual episode was suggested to us by John. Uh, who goes to UCF and is a nursing student. You know who you are. This is your fault. We're all blaming you. And uh, we do appreciate the uh, the feedback from him. So far, we've had a lot of really, really good feedback from y'all. And that was me dropping my phone, just so you know. Uh, and we do appreciate all of it. And if you've uh, sent in an ID and we haven't used it yet, we are looking at it. We are researching it, I promise. Uh, it may not be an entire show by itself, but we will definitely probably put it into a, at least a, a potpourri episode where we talk about a number of different things. It just depends on the amount of information we can uh, accurately get on a subject. So if you need to get a hold of us beyond social media, you can email us at medsidestuff, M-E-D-S-I-D-E-S-T-U-F-F at yahoo.com. Uh, thank you all for listening. I do appreciate it. Our numbers are doing well. They keep growing. Please spread the love. If you can, go on to uh, iTunes and give us a five-star review. If everybody did that, that would really help us out tremendously because that bumps us up on lists, gets other people to follow us, makes us something that uh, is growing. And it is growing now, but it helps us grow a little bit quicker. So if you can do that, we would appreciate it. Tell all your friends, sit them down, force them to listen to it, laugh at the appropriate position. <laughs> times for us and we would love you for it so hope you all have a good week we will talk to you next week and have a good night toast